0: Adam Ferrara is an American actor and comedian known for playing the roles of Chief Needle's Nelson on Rescue Me, Sergeant Frank Virelli opposite Edie Falco on Nurse Jackie. He was a co-host on the U.S. version of Top Gear. And his current stand-up special is called It's Scary in Here. It's available for you free on YouTube. Adam's new podcast is a big hit and available everywhere.
1: Sounds like it could be funny.
0: Sounds to me like 30 minutes you'll never get back.
1: Alright, now we're all here. We can start the show. We got a great show for you this week. My guest in the ADD interview. I am very excited about this man. He is a legendary television director. Uh, just some of the shows he did was Taxi, Cheers, Friends, Will and Grace, The Big Bang Theory. It is James Burroughs. Oh, yeah. Well, we're not messing around. As a matter of fact, you're you're underdressed for this show. Okay, (laughs) I definitely am. Those are only like,
2: I don't know, the greatest TV shows of all time.
1: Absolutely. And we want to welcome everyone from our talk to me Tuesday family. That's our conversation we have every week. Nine o'clock Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific. Go to our website, Click the link. Join the conversation. And our super fan shout out is for Sophia. Say hi to Sophia.
3: Hey, Sophia. Sophia,
1: how you doing? Uh, Sophia, Phil sends his best, and I'm looking forward to seeing you. She sent me a a nice email. She's coming to see me at Gotham Comedy Club in New York City. I will be there in September. And I want to thank everybody who came out uh, to Off the Hook Comedy Club in Naples. I had a great time this weekend. It was a last-minute thing, uh, and I was so pleased to go back and see uh, all my friends over there. It was a lot of fun. So I had to fly last minute, so I had to get an airline ticket. So I want to thank JetBlue for driving the plane and the price right up my ass. That was nice. In your cool, and the website was down, so I couldn't even do it online. I got screwed over the phone.
0: Thank you for calling JetBlue to book a new reservation. Press one. Your estimated wait
3: time is one hundred twenty-two minutes.
1: Yeah, hundred and twenty-two minutes. <laughs> That's a lot of minutes. Two hours two minutes but at least we're gonna screw you so there's that
3: (laughs) did you stay on the line for that long
1: i had to i had to get the tickets
3: oh man what did you do
1: and i couldn't even fly i couldn't even fly into (laughs) naples i had to fly into fort lauderdale and drive two and a half hours up to naples so at least i got a direct flight it wasn't any layovers i get and i rent a car right and you got to go through alligator alley Right. So I asked, I told the guy, he's like, so where are you going? I said, oh, I'm going up to Naples. He goes, you can drive through Alligator Alley? I go, yeah. He goes, you got to pay up front, man.
3: What, what's Alligator Alley? It's the
1: Everglades. You got to drive through the Everglades. So there's alligators everywhere? There's, all, there's alligators. There's, I stopped in the middle of the road because I, I said there was a hunchback rat in the middle of the road. I didn't want to hit it with the car because it would have broke the front end of the car. That's how big this thing was. I'm like, there's got to be a reactor around here. What is this? This I was like, it rat, was like, rat? The, I felt like it was the Princess Bride, rodents of unusual size. Remember that? The Forbidden Zone? <laughs> yes.
3: <laughs> Bigger than the rats in New York City? Yes. Yes. I, I've seen some huge ones.
1: Now, this thing, this thing was a monster. And I, I was Googling, I'm going on Google Images. You, you know what it was? It was an armadillo. Oh, an armadillo! No, 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 they're no, so no, 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 no! I, they're, I think they're poisonous, so no, I'm not. They're
3: not poisonous. Well,
1: whatever they are, I had to drive around them, and is that? And they <laughs> got. So cute. Okay, well, they're not cute. All right. Armadillos are cute. Let me tell you something. They even N- sound cute. Driving through a swamp is not the, me. No, I'm. Oh, the wilderness to me is the grass divider on Park Avenue. Okay, that's <laughs> that's, that's, that's the mean. woods. The Everglades is like the mother
2: of all swamps and I just you got to be happy that you didn't see any of the Burmese pythons that occupy that.
1: Place. Yeah. Don't think I didn't think of that. They got these pythons down there be fun to have around a trailer. Nope. <laughs> then they got to move. <laughs> they let them loose and now they're like they're like miles long. They, they they swallow pickup trucks.
3: My friend had a python. Yeah, and kept it in a cage. And let me hold it. Uh-huh. And uh. it's really soft, but yeah you don't want to be left alone with Yeah, where's the your friend
1: now? He's dead. That's he's dead. <laughs> he was killed by the no, python. You
3: have them as yeah. pets. If you're into
1: that, you know, you... If you're a weed dealer. Every time I went down <laughs> to the basement, there was always time for the snake to be fed. There was always a snake. <laughs>
2: Yeah, you're just in time. We're going to feed the snake. No, I'm not just
1: in time. I just, can I get a nickel bag to stop the screaming (laughs) in my head? That's all I'm here for.
2: Can I just make a suggestion?
1: What?
3: Just go through Alligator Alley and don't stop.
1: I didn't stop. What do you think
3: I stopped?
1: I didn't stop. You said you stopped. No, the armadillo. I was in a standoff with an armadillo.
3: Oh, you mean you didn't want to hit it. I didn't want to hit it. Oh, that's nice, Adam.
1: What? Nice. It would have ruined the front of the car. that I'm stuck there. <laughs> you hit the but That's how they work in teams. You hit the armadillo. Then the pythons come out and they swallow you. They swallow you and the rent the car Uh-huh.
2: Yeah. Yeah, that's the whole game. Yeah, he was working as as a team member with those guys. You can't stop for that.
1: And and my cell phone, I almost called my wife. Stay on the phone with me. Do not get off the phone with me. Talk, tell me all about sex in the city. Tell me, I don't care. Just keep talking to me. But I couldn't get a cell signal. I'm like, this is it. This is it. I'm going to see oh, Jim Morrison hitchhiking with a machete and that's it.
3: <laughs> well, yeah. at least you could use the machete to kill the Sneak
1: it. Yeah, something. So, yeah. So, I had to drive through Alligator Alley. And the nice thing about Florida is is the the weather's kind of okay till like 10 in the morning, and then it's biblical rain. Just for 10 minutes, the sky's open on one side of the street, and then please send the humidity back and aim it at my crotch, please. Everything I had (laughs) was stuck to everything else I had. Mm -hmm. Florida in August. (laughs) Oh, try and keep me away. It's a little TMI, Adam. It's TMH. It's too much humidity. That's what it is. (laughs)
3: It's TMA, yeah. too much Adam.
1: Too much Adam, yeah. Anyway, but, but it was a good time. I, I really I enjoyed going back and seeing my friends. The shows were great, so I want to thank everybody that came out. Uh, and I did the interview with Jim Burroughs from Florida. And in the middle of the interview, lightning struck. I'm not kidding. Yeah. Wow. Lightning struck in the middle of the interview. We got disconnected, and we had to get come back. So in the middle of it, you're going to hear, what happened? That's what happened. <laughs>
3: It struck you wherever you were.
1: Whatever it was, it knocked out the internet. It was, mm-hmm. I heard, bleh, bleh, bleh. apparently God didn't like that line of questioning.
2: <laughs> Rephrase, <Right. laughs> counselor. <laughs> 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 yeah.
1: So then we come back uh, into that. But I, I thought of you, Stern, because uh, I know you're a big uh, Andy Kaufman fan. Yes. And I, I asked him I to is. tell the story about Tony Clifton. Honey, Tony Clifton was Andy Kaufman's alter ego.
3: Yeah, I don't know too much about Andy Kaufman, except for he was on Taxi.
1: Yeah, and he mm-hmm. uh, and Jim tells a great story about Andy being on Taxi.
2: Was this the Tony Clifton appearance on Taxi, like that whole thing? Was yeah. Burroughs part of that? Yeah. Oh, my God, that's got to be great. Oh, I know the story. I know you Somebody that was part of it. Oh, my God, yeah. this is going to be phenomenal. Yeah, that's so great. I yeah. thought of you. I
1: was like, oh, that's great. And then the lightning struck. I go, I'll probably never see him again. This is it. This is <laughs> This is how that's it tough. ends. That's probably from Kaufman. Be like, watch this prank. Yeah. (laughs) But uh, I really enjoyed uh, um, talking to James again. I haven't spoken to him for a while. So uh, you guys listen to this and we will see you on the other side. The Burmese python is an invasive species and has done tremendous damage to native wildlife in Florida. These snakes are apex predators. An estimate in 2013 puts its number in South Florida in the range of 30,000 to 150,000. These snakes arrived in the United States because of their value as pets. Be fun to have around a trailer.
0: Nope. (laughs) Then they gotta move. (laughs) You're listening to the Adam Ferrara podcast. This is 30 minutes you'll never get back. 30 minutes my ass.
1: I would like to make you laugh, and if you come see me, I will do just that. Thursday, August 25th, I will be at the Theater in Reno, Nevada. Uh, Friday, August 26th, I will be at the Crystal Bay Casino in Crystal Bay, Nevada. And Saturday, August 27th, I'll be at the Grass Valley Center for the Arts in Grass Valley, California. Friday, September 16th, I will be at the Opera House in Jim Thorpe, Pennsylvania. September 17th, I will be at the Newtown Theater in Newtown, Pennsylvania. Friday, September 23rd and the 24th, I will be at Gotham Comedy Club in New York City. Special show, yes, that's right, special show October 6th, the Gilmore Car Museum in Richland, Michigan october 7th through the 9th i will be at the chicago improv in schaumburg illinois october 14th and 15th i will be at the arlington draft house in arlington virginia and october 20th through the 22nd i will be at the comic roadhouse in uncasville connecticut at the mohegan sun casino as always if you can make any of these dates please come up after the show because i want to thank you i want to thank you for all the love and support you've shown me and this podcast all right go on get out of here
4: ADHD, it's not just for kids.
1: Welcome to the ADD interview. It's not that you're not interesting. It's just that I can't focus. And my guest this week is... Oh, look, a bird! My guest this week has directed over 1,000 sitcom episodes, and his work has been in your living room since 1974. Just some of those shows include The Mary Tyler Moore Show, Taxi, Cheers, The Bob Newhart Show, Will and Grace, Frasier, The Big Bang Theory, Mike and Molly, and many, many more. He has wrangled Jaja Gabor. He rode in a motorcycle sidecar driven by Bruce Springsteen. He's been nominated 46 times for an Emmy Award, and he's won 11 of them. He's batting 239. To put that in perspective, Mickey Mantle's batting average was 298, so... The kid's a hitter. I'm very <laughs> grateful he's made some time for us today. His new book is called Directed by James Burroughs. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it's James Burroughs. How are you, my friend? I'm fine, Adam. How are you? I'm good. It's been a long time, and I appreciate you doing this for me. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, listen, you're a very successful guy. You're a legend in TV. Success is one thing. Power is something else. If you get Springsteen as a chauffeur, that's some powerful shit. <laughs>
4: Well, uh, we've been friends for about 20 years and mm-hmm. uh, we got together through the horses, his daughter, Jesse, and my daughter Paris are best friends. So, mm-hmm. um, uh, we, we see each other, uh, occasionally at horse shows or, uh, when he's, um, uh, when he's playing a concert.
1: Right. That's why I got to ask this motorcycle sidecar story.
4: Uh, we had a house in Lake Placid and, mm-hmm. uh, Bruce and Patty would come up there for the horse show with their Bye. kids, with Jesse and uh uh we uh we leased them a pony in like 19 in like 2003 or 4. Mm-hmm. And they wanted to meet us and we've been friends ever since and Bruce said, "Do you want to go on a ride?" <laughs> so I felt like uh, <laughs> I was born to ride. Uh, <laughs> I uh I got into a sidecar, which is like a kayak on wheels, going <laughs> 60 next to the boss. Right. And um, I got a ride for about an hour or maybe two. We stopped for a beer. Right. We ran, we ran out of gas. <laughs>
1: uh, <laughs> oh, he tried that old trick on you.
4: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we, at, we had to push the motorcycle down a hill to get it going. <laughs> and uh, he took me on a ride, and then he took my wife on a ride, and uh, we uh, we had a great time.
1: Ah, that's nothing but fun, my friend. Yeah, I, uh, I was talking to uh, um, Greg Garcia, and he said, ask him the Springsteen story. So, I'm,
4: Oh, God, Greg. I love Greg.
1: Yeah, sweet man. So I want to start at the beginning. Your father, Abe Burroughs, Broadway legend, Guys and Dolls, How to Succeed in Business. He's a director. Did you know you wanted to do this, or did you just uh, did you want to do something else? I mean, how did that it's got to be tough to follow that. And not only do you follow it, you, you close the show on it. So that's <laughs> why I wanted to ask.
4: Uh, it was, uh, I had no aspirations to be a director. Uh-huh. Uh, when, when I was growing up with my sister, my dad would trundle us off to rehearsals occasionally before, you know, he would take us to dinner, but we would meet him at the theater. Uh-huh. And uh, we were there like an hour before and we'd sit in the, sit in the audience and, you know, run around or we were in a rehearsal room when he was rehearsing. So it was, um, I had no aspirations to do that. That was just, my father was a tailor. He was making a suit right. and I watched him make a suit. And then I was a government major at college mm-hmm. at Oberlin college. My thesis was on gerrymandering. One of the, uh, you know, comics, favorite, favorite words. <laughs> and, and, uh, the Vietnam war was happening. And, uh, not a lot of guys wanted to do that, you uh-huh. know? So I went to the Yale school of drama for three years. right? And there it kind of clicked in what directors did. And, you know, I kind of knew what actors, but I never knew my father was a director and a playwright. I, I didn't know what, what directors had done. It kind of clicked in and what he, you know, I like to say my father taught me when I wasn't learning. And, um, uh, so after that, uh, I have to, uh, Yale, I, uh, I had to take a physical. I failed. Mm. Uh, I was too funny, I guess. I don't, <laughs> I, I don't remember. And then, uh, I started getting jobs. You know, I got a job driving a truck in a dinner theater and, uh, uh, directing at Summerstock and, and stage managing on Broadway. And one thing led to another.
1: Yeah. And while you were doing that, you, uh, you're watching the Mary Tyler Moore show. And didn't you didn't you uh, work on a play with Mary Tyler Moore?
4: Yes, my dad did a musical, ill-fated musical based on Breakfast at Tiffany's. Mm-hmm. It, it starred Richard Chamberlain and uh, Mary Tyler Moore, Doctor Kildare, and Laura Petrie mm-hmm. were uh, were, uh, were were the stars of the show, and they had ne- never really been on Broadway. So I was the assistant to the assistant stage manager, which meant I was in charge of these two California actors. Mm. had to make sure that they, you know, got their lunch whenever they wanted. And when we were rehearsing, make sure they knew their lines. And then when we were performing, I would meet them when they would come off stage, make sure they got to their dressing room and stuff like that. Right. So I was and then my father was unceremoniously fired Mm. uh, from the show. And uh, 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 they brought in another writer, another director. And I said to my dad, can I stay on the Titanic? And he said, Absolutely. So I stayed there and we 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 had gone out of town with my father's version of the show, which was okay. I mean, people wanted to see Mary and Richard. Uh-huh. So uh when we when it was rewritten, it was horrible. We played four previews in New York. Uh and the audience hooted us off the stage. They would they would talk back. At one point, Dick Chambers said, I'll 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 write a better story. And somebody from the audience says, Why don't you write a better play? <laughs> and so mary would come off stage and collapse into my arms crying because she was booed yeah you know it wasn't her fault so it was a traumatic experience for her and i was there every night and we they closed the show at the four previews uh-huh. and we had a wake in the wake I, I took her to Sardi's, which is the famous restaurant in on uh, uh, on broadway uh-huh. and uh I sat there till her husband, Grant Tinker, who ran MTM, showed up. He flew in from California. And so Mary and I had this bond. And so when I was directing Summerstock in in the early 70s, I saw the Mary Tyler Moore Show. And I saw that they were a live show in front of an audience of 25 minutes. And I was doing every week a two-hour show in a week. Uh-huh. In front of a live audience. So I wrote her a letter. I said I think I can do that, and they brought me out to do one show.
1: That's great. Did did they, did you have to like shadow somebody? They just they read- just. I did.
4: I had to. I shadowed Jay Sandridge, who became who was the preeminent director of the Mary Tyler Moore Show and Cosby uh-huh. and soap, and uh, it just a wonderful my dear friend who unfortunately passed away last year right. and. Uh, so I I watched him to learn the technical stuff because I knew how to talk to actors, right? And I knew what was funny. You can't learn that, but you can learn the technical stuff. So I shadowed for about four or five months, and then they gave me a shot.
1: Well, when you say you know how to talk to actors and you know funny, you've you taught me two things when I work with you that I still take with me. Uh, one is the speed through. Uh, in, in 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 the in the makeup trailer, the whole cast gets together, and you just say your stuff really fast. It just right. it really just it, it it kind of puts the uh, it puts the grout between the tiles, you know. Uh-huh. For me, yeah. And the second thing you you taught me is if I trust the director, I'll take a chance. And you, I'll, I'll tell you this: This we were on *Caroline in the City*. The, uh, there was a scene we did where I got to ride a coffin out. Amy Peets, the actor, is, is, is she's pushing me out on a coffin. I'm riding on a coffin. We do the first take. It gets a so-so laugh. You're standing in front of the uh, the cameras, in front of the whole audience, and you just went, "All right, we're going again. Adam, make me laugh." <laughs> Action! You gave me that note. You didn't tell me what to do. You just said make me laugh. And I, uh, as I'm riding out, she goes, "Ah, quit riding." And I went, "Come on, you can do it." And it got a big <laughs> laugh. And you went, "That's what I want." Moving on. <laughs> Everyone's looking at me, but I trusted you that somewhere in me, you knew I could do that, and that served me well. Because after that, I went to work with Dennis Leary, which is kind of the same thing, but it's like make me laugh, fucker. So it's a different. <laughs>
4: Uh, yeah, I, actors tend to like me because I respect them. And mm-hmm. I, I, especially with someone like you, who's got a funny bone. If you come up with stuff that's funny, it only makes me look better. Yeah. And, uh, uh, uh that's, that's how I run my operation. It, it, the sitcom is a writer's driven medium. Mm-hmm. They write the shows, they cast the shows, they, they, uh, they cut the shows. They look at costumes, they do everything. So, you know, an actor feels most of the time like they're parroting the writer's words. So uh, you have to give the writer respect and you do have to parrot their words. You have uh-huh. to do, they work hard on what's written and you have to do a run through for them on what's written and show them. And then we can, we can show them some stuff we came up with. Yeah. And an actor... If an actor gets, comes up with a bit and it's funny mm-hmm. and it makes the writers laugh and makes the audience laugh, the actor's going to become emboldened. Mm. His eyes are going to, you can see the glint in his eyes. Yeah. You can see, uh, you know, he's happy that he's part of the creative process. So that's what I do. We're all in a lifeboat together trying to make the funniest show possible. Mm. We're all rowing. Yeah, And, uh, you know, uh, I want the actor to tell me to the right kind of gloves so the oars don't burn my my uh, palms. Yeah. And uh, so that I only look better by that, and I, I think it makes an actor feel feel wonderful.
1: Yeah, it's it's a great when a set is like a family, Jimmy. It's it comes out on the camera. I mean, I've been on, I've been lucky to be in those productions where everyone in interviews they go, it looks like you guys are having so much fun, and we are.
4: And that comes across the screen. Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah, I uh, the shows you've been involved with, the iconic shows you've been involved with, uh, Taxi. I have to, if I can ask you the story about Andy oh, Kaufman. Oh,
4: Funny. I got it. You, <laughs> that story, that story, and flying the cast of Vegas, uh, the Friends cast of Vegas. Yeah, well, it'll be on my tombstone. <laughs> uh, for, well, I for you, I will tell the story because you're a comic. Okay, and uh, well, you know you're an actor who's funny. I'm sorry.
1: <laughs> That's okay.
4: I'll take it. Walks is uh, good to hit.
1: I'm on base, Burrows.
4: <laughs> um, uh, I don't know how many of your listeners know who Andy Kaufman is or was. Um, he was uh, to me the bravest comic I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. He was. He was not really a comic. He's a performance artist. Yeah. And. You know, he had an act that people loved. He was on Saturday Night Live. He played Foreign Man, who later became Lotka Gravis. So uh, the, the, the writers of Taxi hired him to play the mechanic based on his character of, of, uh, of um, a Foreign Man. And the deal that Andy made was that he would agree to do the show if the character Tony Clifton, the actor Tony Clifton could be in one episode. Right. So for all the uneducated, Tony Clifton was Andy's alter ego. He was, Andy would put on a wig, dark glasses, prosthetics on his face, uh-huh. a big uh, 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 fat suit, <laughs> brocade tuxedo, a ruffled shirt. The only thing he couldn't fool you with were, were his hands. Uh-huh. They were Andy's hands. You could see that. Right. Anyway, he would come out and open a concert for, for Andy Kaufman, and he would sing bad Las Vegas lounge songs. And the audience would hate it. Say, <laughs> we want Andy, we want Andy. So Andy would go off after 20 minutes, take off the to Tony Clifton, after intermission, come back as foreign man. So a lot of people didn't know that Tony Clifton was Andy. In fact, Andy's close friend, Bob Zamuda, mm-hmm when Andy was as farm man, he would dress as Tony Clifton. So to throw people off. Yeah. So, so anyway, we agreed. Uh, the deal with taxi was that Andy would do the show. If Tony could do one show. So that week came. And, uh, 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 where it's the Monday is when, uh, Tony dance and I are watching Bucky Dent hit that home run to send the Yankees. Into the playoffs against—I don't remember who they played off against before the World Series. Yeah, that same and, game.
1: They ended, the season ended in a tie that year.
4: Right. They, yeah. yeah. So it was not to get into the World Series. To get into the playoffs. I yeah. Think. Yeah. So at nine a.m. we're watching this. <clears throat> the prop. We're in the prop room. The prop room door opens, and in comes Tony Clifton. <laughs> Where the fuck are you, guys? <laughs> I'm ready to rehearse, and he's smoking. Okay. <laughs> Andy Kaufman had day night reversal. When he was yeah. normal, he wouldn't come in until one o'clock. So at 9 a.m here comes Andy as Tony. So I start to work and I do he's playing uh, is uh, as Andy's dressed as Tony playing Louis de Palma's brother. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's it's too difficult. It, yeah. It's not you know, he's not acting. he's performing with, with Danny DeVito and everything like that. So he's, he's, he, you know, he's just, it's, it's not going to work. I call Ed Weinberger, Ed comes down. I show him a scene. He says, okay, we go back up to the office. We call George Shapiro, who was then Andy's manager, the late George Shapiro, and we'll have to, you know, we say, we have to fire Tony. And George says, Andy's not going to be happy. Mm -hmm. And so George calls back in an hour and says, you can fire. Tony Clifton, but he has to be fired in front of the entire cast on stage with a prostitute on each knee. <laughs> He's got
1: demands to be fired.
4: <laughs> so the next day comes, and we're ready for this. You know, we're ready for it. You know, I start rehearsing. I, 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 I don't remember what scene I did. But everybody knows what's coming and Ed comes down and <laughs> says to Tony Clifton, you're fired. And Tony says, I'm not leaving. You're fired, I'm not leaving. You're fired, get up, no, you're fired, no. So I'm watching against the stands. Right. I'm watching with Judd Hirsch, myself, Tony Danzer and Jeff Conaway. Mm-hmm. We're watching this and all of a sudden, Tony and I look to our right and here's Conaway's eyes getting really big. Right. And he starts to go for Andy. <laughs> So with Tony and I grab him, throw him up behind the stands, throw him up against the wall, and say, "You you can't do this. You can't ruin this for us. <laughs> you are about to see one of the great moments in the history of of sitcom. Mm-hmm. You're going to see a great moment. This is guerrilla theater. Yeah, relax and enjoy." <laughs> So we went back out, you said, get off the stage. And Tony's going, I'm not going, I'm not going, get off. Finally, Judd says, okay, I'll play. So Judd walks out, picks up Tony Clifton. Right. Takes him off the soundstage, th- throws him uh, outside the soundstage. There are guards there, <laughs> security guards. They put him in a golf cart. They take him off the lot. He's screaming and yelling, everything like that. The next week we start a new taxi. Andy Kaufman comes in as if nothing happened. That and so he- that, that was it. He got his knockus that way. He got whatever the thrill was for him, and it didn't hurt the show. We hired another actor to play the part. Oh. It worked out fine. And uh, you know, some people say he was uh, taking advantage of the other actors by doing this, but it uh, it was just it was just a golden moment.
1: Yeah, I don't feel bad for you. I feel bad for the hookers. They're like, <laughs> "Are we working or what? What are we doing? I'm on a clock here." The brilliance of that show was you didn't see what was coming. I remember two of my favorite Taxi episodes. One was when Louis comes out of the cage and he's this and he's the size of <laughs> that's, that's the brilliant. pilot. Yeah, that was the pilot. And then the other one was. Uh, Mary Lou Henner is in a cab. She's pouring her heart out to the driver. And there's this whole episode is about her and the driver. And there's this romantic moment. And they, the the driver of the cab says, uh, you know, I'll give you $100 for the tip. She goes, I don't want the money. She says, Well, would you come in with me? And then there's that moment. And over the radio, you Louis' voice goes, take the 100 <laughs>
4: <laughs> It was, uh, so I, I have two stories on that. Mm-hmm. The first story is about the pilot. In right. the, when when I was rehearsing the pilot, the first scene, Danny came out of the cage, mm-hmm. and uh, after that scene, after I ran that scene for the writers, they all said, "No, no, you can't bring Louie out yeah. in the first scene. You have to see how mean he is, and then bring him out later in the show." The other the other uh, thing, the driver of the cab happened to be Tom Selleck, mm-hmm. handsome remember man. Remember that handsome man, handsome man, and it was they were going to yeah mary lou was driving him he started in the back seat he ended in the front seat and uh, he offered her to come in and, and once he was out of the cab uh, louis said you should have taken the hundred yeah it was just brilliant was, i know I just
1: i mean i remember, i was a kid when i saw i saw it in reruns i was a kid and i just went that's brilliant i would fall in love with sitcom um it was a world that I couldn't wait to get home and get into. And when I was a kid, you had the reruns like at seven o'clock at night and stuff. So I could, right. I could visit these worlds. And then when Cheers came out, that was a bar I wanted just to be in. I mean, it was, I wanted to see Norm come in. That was his entrance. That was, that's the greatest blocking an actor could ever ask for. <laughs> uh,
4: what? The Norm? Norm? Norm's entrance is the greatest blocking you could ask for. Okay, so... Here's a little known fact. Uh, And I I may talk about it in the book. Mm -hmm. Um, I would normally, if if Diane Chambers hadn't come in the bar first and was sitting on the corner Mm -hmm. where she was sitting, I would have put George there. I would have put Norm there. Mm -hmm. But because she was sitting there waiting for her boyfriend to come back with the ring, I had to march him all the way across the bar, which is great because... Uh, George Wentz first line uh, Sam says what do you know he says not enough was never meant as a joke never it was just a throwaway but because it was that character coming into the bar you've never seen it before waddling in and he says not enough that laugh carried him all the way around the bar so it became incumbent upon everybody all the writers to write normisms yeah, you know, and the normisms are—you can go on, uh, on the internet and find a whole, a whole uh, Instagram on, on uh, nothing but normisms. They were incredible. Yeah, that's the stuff. The stuff you
1: did—it just—it's—it's it's part of people's lives. When, when, when a show goes away, it's like party is gone. My comfort is, is yeah, gone. Yeah,
4: your pacifier. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was like that for me. Which one? Frasier was like that for Yeah, I know, but you got to end them, and nobody's happy when you end
1: them. Yeah. You You did something on Frasier. Was it your idea to put the duct tape on the chair? It was. Fucking brilliant. Only because (laughs) I had duct tape on my (laughs) phone. We had it on the chair. You know, if you watch the show, Frasier's dad, it doesn't fit. The representation of the chair is like, Archie's chair, but the duct tape on it drove him insane. The chair drove him insane, <laughs> and then the duct tape just turned the knife. And I'm like, "That's fucking brilliant." That joke and the joke, was, and I can quote this joke because I thought I fell out of the chair laughing. It was uh when Fraser slept with the piano teacher when he was a kid. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but the, the joke was, well, I was going to school, while Frazier was getting his Rachmaninoffs, I'm like, "Oh,
4: that's <laughs> fucking brilliant!" <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Yeah,
1: just stuff like that, and 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 the impact that those shows have. I mean, Friends is Friends is more pop is is just as popular now as as when it when it aired. It's amazing. And the, the other famous story you mentioned is when you took the entire cast to Vegas before the show aired.
4: Yeah, I um, uh, I, I did the first four or five shows, mm-hmm. and um, from the pilot on, I knew the audience loved this show. Mm-hmm. They they in the pilot, you know, you had never seen these six people before, right? And the audience just loved them. And the first four or five shows, their laughs were huge, and the awes and the Uh, You know, and, you know, feelings for Ross and uh, and and Rachel, you know, so I knew that there was something special about the show. Mm. So I asked the Warner Brothers uh, people if they'd give me the Warner's plane to take the six kids to Vegas for dinner. Right. And they uh, you know, they said, sure, I'm sure they were not happy about it. But anyway, we went up, we had dinner at Spago in Caesar's Palace. There were six, seven of us. Six kids sat down and I said to them, you know, I can't, I can't do all the shows, although I would love to because I have my own production company. I have two shows on the air that I have to, I have to direct, but I'm telling you, this show is special. And this evening, when you walk through the casino and you're here in this restaurant, is your last shot at anonymity. You will never be able to do that again without being hounded. And they're going, yeah, you know, yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, you know, they nobody had any money, so I had some money, and they all wrote me checks for gambling money, and uh, I cashed them. I should have saved them and posted them. <laughs> on a, but but I was right. I was uh, prescient, or you know, or lucky, yeah. two. Looking back, did they take it in? oh yeah yeah because i was also saying to them i can't do all the shows so i i talked to them about uh uh about the self-confidence they had to have Mm -hmm. as actors because i'd worked with them five weeks i knew they were all talented i knew they had wonderful ideas and i said when some other director comes in please talk to them you know don't don't set up a wall between them talk to them you're all creative you all Contribute bits to the show that make it funnier. Please continue to do that. So, you know, I I, I call it trying to make them director-proof, but that's the wrong word. I just mm-hmm. trying to give them self-confidence so that they don't lose the creative edge when somebody else comes in. Yeah,
1: yeah, because well, the director changes every week, you know, some... On some shows, in yeah. single camera. Yeah. You know, you talk about that confidence, taking it in and having that confidence. I'm going to read a quote that somebody said to you. Looks like our investment in you has worked out. Mm-hmm. Remember that?
4: Yeah, Mary Tyler Moore. Said that to you before you before, shot. Before I shot a show. Yeah. I was, uh, the 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 first episode I did with a Mary Tyler Moore show that was a C-minus script mm-hmm. around the table. And I said to Grant Tinker, in a sea of Danish, I get a bagel. <laughs> I literally said that to him. And I rehearsed uh, with this intimidating cast. I, I I I played by the rules. I made suggestions where suggestions were needed. Uh-huh. I tried to create some funny pieces of business. I invoked Chekhov in the last scene, uh, and you know the show came out to be a C plus show. Right. But just before I shot it, on my way to the soundstage, I walked uh, I walked past Mary's trailer, and she came out of her trailer and she said to me. Our investment in you has worked out, and I was just sky high.
1: Yeah, so you took it in.
4: I took it in. I was, yeah. my eyes were misty, and uh, you know, that's you know that still sticks with me. So a monumental moment in my life.
1: Yeah, I've had I've had a few of those when a director has given me the first show I ever, did, first acting gig I ever got was flying blind. I did the pilot. Yeah, you did the pilot, and you weren't in the pilot. I was not. I was a guest star. First acting gig I ever got. I was a guest star. Peter Bonners was directing it. Uh huh. And I, I didn't, Jimmy. I didn't know what I was doing. You know, I was, I was a comic. You know. All right, Adam. I need you to. I need you to go camera left. Like, oh, okay. Oh, the other way. Ah, you're so funny. I was fucking serious, Jimmy. I didn't know what. I was doing. So I did the the first run through. And Peter comes over, and I'm starstruck. That's Jerry the dentist. I know who that is. (laughs) Did you freeze? I think you froze. Did I lose you? Did I lose you? There you go. Okay. Look at that. We're back. For those of you following along at home, uh, lightning, I just heard a big lightning clap and the internet went out, so now we're back. Apparently, God didn't like that line of questioning, James. (laughs) So uh, I wanted to ask you about uh, Billy Gardell's a friend, and he told me to ask you about Gardell blocking.
4: Yeah, yeah.
1: For those of you guys don't know, blocking is where an actor's got to walk and and just move so uh, so the cameras can pick him up.
4: Yeah, well, so it looks like uh, you know you're in a normal life because when people they don't just sit and talk; they get up and they move. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, Gardell blocking is: I start a scene with Billy on the couch. Right. And I end the scene with Billy Under. <laughs> uh, I've used it a few times. It's a, it's in my vernacular now. It's, uh, I did it with Louis Mustillo too, who was on Mike and Molly. Louis, right. uh, you know, there are some people who are really funny sitting down. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, that's, that's Gardell blocking. I love it, Jimmy. I love it. <laughs>
1: You know who's funny moving? Sean Hayes. Yeah. Oh, just yeah. Uh, just as a runner. Just w- when he just walks through a scene. Mhm. Yeah, and that show seemed a little bit that was uh, they were all like one person to me, you know?
4: Well, it were, there were there are four girls. Right. Yeah. Different... <laughs> yeah. And I like to say it was a fairy tale literally and figuratively. <laughs> uh it was um it was the second most high concept show i've ever done Uh the first high concept show i ever did was i did the pilot for third Rock from the sun yeah which was um with lithgow and from outer space but uh, will and grace is a heightened reality uh Uh, everybody plays even eric who is the rational one they play at a heightened level Uh and uh uh it's just that's the nature of the beast Yep. and uh uh it, it it worked on that show the jokes were huge huge on that show uh, Sean was funny moving messing was funny moving Megan was funny sitting down and delivering with a martini in her hand mm-hmm. uh uh and Eric was Eric was always cooking yeah. he had his moves in the kitchen down to his lines if a line changed he had to reprogram himself to uh, do that but the but they all, all were, they were all in action. Mm-hmm. They didn't sit a lot in that show unless we got serious. Right. <laughs> so, uh, it's just, that was that was more or less for page than any show I ever did.
1: Yeah. And there's a story you tell about when you were carpooling, picking the kids up from school. Yeah. You were doing that show.
4: <laughs> <laughs> we, um. Uh, uh i never did any show that proselytized or preached or anything like that uh-huh. i left that to mr lear who was a genius with shows like that uh so when i read will and grace it was will and grace it was a really funny script uh-huh. that just happened to have two gay characters right so um well i never thought it would have the effect it had i never we never set out that way even max and david never set out that way who wrote it cohen and Muchnick. nick uh-huh. um, So after about the third year, I was driving carpool for my youngest, who was, uh, for for my, one of my middles, who was 13. Mm. And uh, it was Thursday, and Will and Grace was on Thursday, so I would pick up the four kids, load them in the car, start driving to the school, and invariably I would hear one of the 13-year-olds say, what's on Will and Grace tonight? (laughs) And I knew that this show was reaching people before they had opinions about the gays and making them comfortable with them. Mm -hmm. And so I said to myself, wow, this is the first show that ever we ever preached. We, I never preached on any of my shows. I never, you know, talked about uh, abortion or equal rights or anything like that. It was always just to make you laugh, but this show seemed to have an effect of advancing the, uh, gay marriage and the acceptance of uh, the LGBTQ community. Yeah, but Jimmy, it was more like, I think it,
1: it was a byproduct. Not that it's not important, but the show was funny. The show was funny and it was funny
4: about people. It, yes, it was, but that's why it was so effective. Yeah. Because as I said, when I read it, it was a funny show that just happened to have two gay characters. Yeah, yeah. But the way, how funny they were made people comfortable with that uh, with with gay people I think
1: I think the, the vulnerability of those characters you know because yeah after but, you see the effect of of what, whatever they're going through the actor is emoting that that feeling and then you're like well that's a person you know
4: yeah but again it was you know we knew when we set out to do the show that 25 percent of the country is not going to watch it uh-hmm. Because it's you know it's uh, who who's in the cast, mm-hmm. and then it had a no it had a complete unknowns. Mm-hmm. So we had to sneak into town. So right. when when I told the network, please don't put us at eight or nine, leading off an hour, put us after a show. Mm-hmm. So they did that, and the and it slowly it takes a while in television, to get the word out. Movies is much easier. Television is you got to run into a friend. Oh, I saw the show, you know, movies. Oh my God. I just saw this movie. So it took us a while, but we did, you know, we, we, people started to watch us and, you know, we put a kiss at the end of the first at the pilot. There's a kiss between Eric and Deb at the pilot. And we put that in, you know, I wanted that in just to say, ah, maybe Eric will take the magic pills and become straight. (laughs) They make straight pills. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I thought, and we had it at the end of the first season. And once once the first season was over, we didn't have to do that anymore. But I wanted people maybe who were not comfortable with the gay community to say, oh, maybe, yeah, maybe we'll, we'll, you know, change and, and they'll, they'll, but that was never gonna happen, but it got people to the dance.
1: Right. And you say you don't, you say Norman Lear does does that stuff really good. You got to work with Norman Lear.
4: Yeah, amazing. I- Wow. Yeah. I, I did the first and third one. I did All in the Family and the Jeffersons. And then Pam Freiman did All in the Family and Good Times. And then I did Facts of Life and Different Strokes. And it was, was, the... was all live. And it was lightning was striking at every moment. Because yeah. I control the airwaves. Uh-huh. I'm snapping the show. I'm cutting the show live. Yeah. So, you know, I'm in a booth away from my actors, which drives me crazy uh-huh. because I want to be on that stage. But, you know, I'm in that booth controlling when the cuts come because I know there's going to be laughs uh-huh. and I don't want the cuts coming too soon. So, uh, uh, I-, I had a ball and it's, you know, one of the rare rare times in, in my work now that I get to work with somebody older than me. <laughs> <laughs> and Norman turned 100. Yeah, yeah, it's so times. Yeah, amazing. How was that?
1: Was that, were you intimidated at all? No. No?
4: No, because I did a pilot with Norman about 30 years ago that didn't go, but on Cheers, Uh the first fan letter we got was from Norman Lear. Wow. He wrote a letter to me saying how much he loved the work, and uh, Glenn Les and I, the Charles brothers and I, went to lunch with him at the Brown Derby where he flattered us, Beyond Belief. Wow,
1: that's, that's a home run, baby. Mm-hmm. That's, and and is that story in the book? Uh, I think so. Yeah. The book, Eddie Freefeld's a friend of mine. Oh, sweet, a delightful name. human being. Isn't he? Big oh fan of comedy, glad he is on the planet, man. He's a really, really, really good guy. And I want to ask you, what made you want to do the book?
4: Uh, I think it's My Wife's Provocation. Uh-huh. she uh you know i've been telling these stories
3: uh-huh.
4: for years and you know unfortunately when we go with a couple a new couple something like that i tell them and my wife's heard them. right so <laughs> yeah. she says please go write a book and then uh 19 hit right and uh she said if you don't call your agent i will mm-hmm. so i called my agent and he put me in touch with eddie and we talked for about a year and a half and I just talked, and he crafted it, and uh, I'm eternally grateful to him.
1: Yeah, yeah. He was. He is a great uh, to, to steward this ship. He's a guy that, that knows the importance of your work, and yeah. and what it means to people, and, and, and so do I. I mean, I as as a guy falling in love with the sitcom format. Getting a chance to—it was like when I was a kid buying an album. I would read the liner notes. I knew who the drunk was. I found out, you know, all, all the stuff. I knew everything. So when I got a chance to work with you, I tried to play it cool. I really did. And uh, <laughs> but it was—it was a big—it was a big moment to be, to get an invitation into that world. Um, and I was there. I saw your sixty minutes interview you did with Mike Wallace, and I was on the set of Caroline in the City when they shot the testimonial. So I was wow. sitting there and I remember and you, you were there and they were talking about you and you, you were like, all right, all right, knock it off, enough, enough, enough. <laughs> uh, but it's its important and I wanted to say this to you before, there's an air of kindness you have. When I got a chance to work with you, I, I noticed that. I also noticed the power that you have in this industry and to ha- to maintain that kindness when when that power is available to you is a is a strong test of one's character and well, you do- I,
4: I appreciate that I learned kindness from my dad um uh you get more you know, what do you get more laughs with honey than you do with uh yeah. vinegar so uh, uh it's just I I, I can't abide a, a martinet who says do it my way
2: mm-hmm.
4: you know there are a lot of successful people who do that you know, the, the who, who do that. I just can't do that. To me, it's a collaborative effort. I want people to like me. And uh, I, I I care about everybody being successful, not me being successful.
1: Yeah. Well, I am glad that I got a chance to play with you, Jimmy. Uh-
4: Thank you. I appreciate that. And, uh, and uh, you know, talk to the special effects man about the lightning. <laughs> I think it came too soon, didn't it? Isn't it supposed to come now? Yeah. And I'm like, shit, is this
1: it? Is this
2: how I'm going out?
1: Freaking hotel room
4: in Florida. This is how it ends.
1: Jimmy, best to you and your family. Stay well. Stay safe. I hope we get to laugh again together soon.
4: Uh, I hope. I hope so. Good luck on your show tonight.
1: Thank you, brother. Take care.
0: You can host the best backyard barbecue.
4: My name is Jimmy Burrows, and that was 30 minutes I will truly never get back.
1: That was so much fun for me.
2: What a legendary life!
1: Yeah, isn't that great?
2: Yeah, yeah, great guy. But seriously, you guys had to bring up Bucky Dent. What are you trying to do to me, man?
1: Okay, it was 1978. Let it go. All right, it was a single (laughs) game. It was like the only home run he ever got. It just cleared the Green Monster. Would you please I know, let it go? I
2: remember it.
3: Yeah. Uh, is that what you were talking about? They were li- listening when Andy Kaufman came yeah, in. Yeah,
1: they were watching the game and Tony Clifton came in.
3: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <You're> like, what? <laughs> you know what? Going in, I didn't know much about Andy Kaufman.
1: Mm-hmm. He was there to annoy you until you found it funny.
3: And a lot of people think that he's still alive. Dead.
1: <laughs> I know.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I read this forum. Yeah. And yeah, they said that he went into hiding.
1: No. You know how he died? Why? python in the everglades Mm. (laughs) they got him in a -a rent-a-car
3: oh my gosh what an amazing person yeah and it was like so funny when they said uh uh when the other guy was taking him seriously Mm -hmm. and he said don't ruin it for us
1: yeah yeah jeff conway was like i'm gonna kill this son of a
3: bitch (laughs) no no (laughs) this is what did they call it guerrilla theater
1: Mm.
2: yeah no he was a genius i mean what did you just say about him, too? Andy? He would annoy you until you found the humor? Yeah. Is that sort of his Well, guess? basically, he
1: makes you feel uncomfortable until that feeling leaves you, and then you see the humor. He makes you surrender to see the funny, right? Yeah. See, my yeah. thing with Andy was, I don't surrender. I get aggravated, and I leave. I'm mm-hmm. not, this is going to be funny one day. Yeah, maybe on the way home, but I'm not sitting through this bullshit anymore. I got Mighty Mouse. So I can play Mighty Mouse by myself. So you get caught in the fury. I get caught in the fury, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
3: Yeah, they seem to be able to, you know,
1: distance themselves and and just critical thinking to be the observer rather than in it. Yeah. 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 Yeah, And I'm with Jeff Conaway. I'm going to I'm going to hit you with a shovel. Sorry.
2: (laughs) But the G and by the way, thank you for bringing up the Mighty Mouse bit. Mm -hmm. That might be one of my favorite comedic bits. And for those that don't know it or haven't seen it, just Google. Google Andy Kaufman, Mighty Mouse bit. It makes me laugh out loud every time. But so that's going on, and I had no idea James was director for that. And then they're like, we gotta fire you. And he comes back with demands. Okay, here are my demands. Yeah, demands watch. to be fired.
1: <laughs> I felt so bad for the hookers. I was like, Am I working a what? What are we doing here? What's the deal? There? This is pay a play, right? Okay, fine. I'll sit here as long as you want.
2: And then he comes back the next for the next taping, as if nothing's happened. Mm-hmm. Like that's just that's commitment to a bit. That really is like heavy commitment. And that's who Kaufman was, man. He was, he was a genius. Like, I, I'm with you. I, I don't know if I could wait for, to get through the annoyance to get through the comedy. You know what I mean?
1: That, I know exactly what you mean. I don't have to work for entertainment. Entertainment means whatever I'm aggravated about is going away. You're taking my mind off my troubles. You're not causing me more. Right, right. Uncomfortable. You don't like to feel uncomfortable. No, I'm uncomfortable in life, okay? I I wake up like, "Ah!" and then it's all downhill from there. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I had never heard that thing about
2: uh, uh, DeVito, take the $100.
1: I saw it as a kid. I was like, that's just brilliant. And Mm -hmm. you want to know what was great while I was doing the interview? You could see the joy in Jim's face. Oh, that's mm-hmm. great! You could see, like every time I brought up something at movies as a kid, he was so happy. Mm-hmm. And when I got a chance to work with him, that's you know that that's what I took away from it. I, I took away the fact that he called you funny. He did,
3: and coming he, from him, that means a lot. Yeah, and you know what?
1: He's right.
2: <laughs> Further reflection, he is right.
1: He's yeah. right. He forgot charming and handsome, but I'll let it go.
3: And I love I love some of the uh, stuff that he was on. Mm. Uh, In a sea of Danish, you gave me a bagel. Yeah. What what, What was that?
1: That was the script he had for Mary Tyler Moore. The first script he's got, in a sea of Danish, I get a bagel. He's like, (laughs) I got a C minus script. You can put sugar on shit all day. Don't make a candy. (laughs) Hilarious. But how great was that? Mary Tyler Moore looked at him before he taped Mm -hmm. and said, I think our investment in you is paying off. Yeah. Yeah.
3: That's just.
1: Yeah. When she said that to him, that's how I felt when he said, Adam, make me laugh. And then when I got the laugh, he went, that's what I'm looking for moving on. Yeah. That was, because I knew. Coming from he,
3: the right person. Yeah. It could mean everything.
1: I knew who he was when I got the gig. And I was tr- I was really trying to play it cool, but nah, I was a mess. So <laughs> when that opportunity happened, and, and I trusted him, I went, all right, something's better come out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it did. Mm-hmm. You know, so. Uh,
3: I tell you that all the time. Trust that you're funny.
1: Yeah, she does. Mark, she does. Because I. She does. And then, you,
3: get, you get caught up too much in your head.
1: I, know. It's, I a,
3: know. it's not a head game. I know. It's just having fun and trust that you're going to be smart enough to come out of anything.
1: I did. Look, if I can make it through the Everglades, exactly. <laughs>
2: right, if you can get out, get out of that hellhole alive. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but I got to think it's different too. And I've never been on a set, but when there's everyone waiting around for you and waiting for this "quote unquote" funny thing that you're going to do, you know that's a lot of pressure. Mm. But to have the director. Like, be cool and be like, let's have some fun. Be funny, you know, but not as you've told the story about Dennis. <laughs> it, like, make me laugh, fucker. Yeah. Like, there's a little bit more of an edge to it.
3: But you felt safe.
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: You
3: felt safe. I was
1: still scared. I was because, scared on both both occasions.
3: Well, when people respect who you are as yeah. a talent or, mm-hmm. you know, as a person, then you feel safe and you can have some fun and you can go beyond you know what you could if it was just a sterile environment.
1: Yeah, what well, you, your perceived limitations you can push past your perceived limitations when you feel yes. safe. It. It's like he said, we're all in a lifeboat rowing.
2: Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah, we're all rowing together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that 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 spoke volumes about who this guy is because listen, I've never been in the TV world but I've been in the world of radio and I I know certain certainly know of people who were like everything flows from me and mm-hmm. just do what I say. And those are not fun, creative atmospheres to be a, you know, be a part of. Yeah. And it doesn't matter what somebody's accomplishments are. And when you have somebody who's unbelievably accomplished, like James Burroughs is, for him to have that attitude all the way through his career, that just speaks volumes about who he is. And man, I would love to be part of a project that he was in. Because that just sounds like it would be so much fun to be, to be
1: doing. Yeah, and it, I meant what I said when he had that, because he did. He had that air of kindness about him when you look at the the power that he that he can access in this industry and still maintain that is a testament to his character. He's a mensch. Yeah, he's a mensch. And and the the other, the other thing is like people say do it, it's it's a lot, it's all fear based you know if you have to trust the director but the director has to trust himself you know yeah the fish stinks from the head.
3: <laughs> <laughs> you mean confidence?
1: Yeah, he's got to be able to trust himself, uh, and then that comes out from it's like Norman Lear called him to live cut. A show he's snap cutting on live TV.
2: Yeah. Talk <laughs> about that. Cause I've seen it from a sports production angle. Mm-hmm. What's, what's that mean? It's Tarot, the Same
1: thing. You I mean? ready? Camera two. We're going to go to camera two. He's holding for the laugh. And I've, I've seen directors do it. Snap his fingers. He said he can't snap his fingers. He's got like this little frog. He pushes like a clicker. So he's he's it's live on TV. So his click is going right on TV. There's no That's what he said. No he said
3: I'd rather be with the actors, yeah. but it was more important to to get that edit right.
1: Yeah, and mm-hmm. he was up in the booth. But now yeah, that was the other. thing. He stands in front of, he stands camera level. He's not in video village. Video villages the monitors and mm-hmm. you could see what each screen is. Mm-hmm. He's right on the floor with you. Mm-hmm. And uh yeah, that that's really cool.
2: Well, that's got to be good for him. I mean, I would think to like get a sense of what the feeling is on the floor mm-hmm. and with the actors. And if you're in a booth, you're sort of removed from all that. But for a live show, yeah, you gotta be, you gotta be, you gotta have your finger on the pulse of all of that to get those beats right and capture those moments and and do those cuts before the energy fades from that shot. I would think.
1: Yeah, well, it's a play. You're not doing a live show as much as you're doing a play. There is no second take. You know, that's <laughs> right. that's it. That's yeah. the way it's going out. You know, it's like Norm. Norm's entrance on Cheers was a happy accident that happened in rehearsal because that's where he he put Shelly Long, you know? Mm-hmm. So he's like, oh, and like and, and and the line got a laugh. It wasn't supposed to get a laugh. And the laugh carried him all the way till he sat down. So now the writers like we got to write one of these every friggin week now.
2: Yeah. And wasn't that cool to hear how that became about? Mm-hmm. I mean, that was one of the staples of the show. One of my favorite lines from any show ever. Norm, how you doing? It's a dog-eat-dog world, and I'm wearing milk-bone underwear. I mean, just, just, <laughs> I mean constantly it was, it was such a staple of that show. And the fact that that wasn't even done on purpose, it's just sort of like, oh, as you said, a happy accident. You're like, oh, yeah, let's just roll with this. Yeah, this is a cool new wrinkle. Man. And it was great.
3: And uh, to the point, was, what's the name of the actor? Uh, George Wendt. George went probably wherever he went. Yeah. Norm!
1: Yeah. <laughs>
3: uh, <laughs> Yeah. Probably wherever no one, he was. Yeah.
1: And he, he knew what his first he knew what his, his blocking was gonna be. Uh-huh. He's gonna walk in and sit in that chair. Fine. <laughs> that was like Gardell blocking, my friend Billy Gardell. <laughs> he was talking about Mike and Molly.
3: Is that right. basically he just didn't move?
1: Yeah, he didn't want to move. Okay.
3: <laughs> it's like, he move. Right, okay. I was like, did he get up and then nah, go back down? I'll or? do it
1: all from here. I don't okay,
3: know. okay. <laughs> and he says, That's in my repertoire now.
1: Yeah, now, now we call it Gardell blocking. Oh <laughs> we'll start on the couch, we'll end on the couch. Fine. <laughs> too funny yeah and that's the night the 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 energy of doing multi-camera is a live audience that's a king of queens was like that uh, carolina city was like that kevin can wait yeah it was fun
3: you gotta have the chops for that
1: yeah it's fun it's like it, it's a whole show night and i used to like when i would do uh three camera when i would do that uh on a tuesday because you'd rehearse all week and then you get the weekend to go over stuff in your head and then camera blocking Mm-hmm. would be Monday mm-hmm. so it's not really rehearsals it's rehearsal for the cameras but you could see if something will work and then I would always load stuff up for second takes because it's a Tuesday taping mm-hmm. so I would have opportunities so I didn't like a Friday taping show because you start on Monday you don't have those two days to process you know? oh interesting yeah and I love the fact that he was the one that put the duct tape on the chair <laughs> Frazier's dad's chair I love that, that duct tape was uh, that was right. like that it, was that brilliant that tied it
2: all together didn't yeah. it? it was a perfect touch yeah that's yeah, yeah the guy's I know it's a word I throw out too much, but a genius. I mean I mean just to, to have the sensibilities for all of that mm-hmm. and, and oh, yeah, it was so fun just being on the inside to hear from him how all that was going. He did say one thing that sort of struck me. He goes,
1: show's gotta go away. Tell it to NCIS. They're not going anywhere. They're
2: not <laughs> <laughs> right. Or Grey's Anatomy, which is like on season five. Coming, and right? I don't know
1: <laughs> Or the Law yeah. and Order Channel. I think they have one of those now.
2: <laughs> right. But you know, for like Rescue Me, I was like, no, 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 no. I love these guys. I want I want like ten more seasons. You. Them. I was
1: on the tour bus with Dennis and Lenny. And Dennis goes, What do you think about making this the last season? We go, No, think of us, you skinny Irish fuck you. <laughs> Because well, it's part of your lives, I mean I we got into a uh we got into a, a Frasier marathon many mm-hmm. times. So, you know, and then that's it no more you know when they're all, when they go yeah. away because the design for seven years when I started doing uh acting in in sitcom but on t v and you pitch things, one of the things you had to do in the pitch was tell me how this lasts seven years because that was the benchmark was seven years now okay. the shows the, the the model now is to tell a story. It's like we were watching hacks, I really liked hacks. And it's a story. It's from beginning to end, two seasons. That's it. It's designed to be closed-ended. They're like novels. They're not like part of your lives, you know? So it's, it's like, this is the story. These are the characters in the story. When sitcom spoke to me, like, these are the characters that are going to share your lives and you're going to share their adventures. Does that make any sense?
2: It does, but sometimes I want their story to
1: keep going on. Yeah. You know, that means I, I they the did cool it right. Friends.
2: Don't put the
3: kibosh on my Marvel series. Adam.
1: They're never going to stop making They'll be be a new superhero. The Pound Cake Man. Ah, Sarah Lee's in trouble. Don't worry. (laughs) Pound Cake Man.
2: (laughs) But that's like the the Gervais model that Mm -hmm. he did with The Office and then Extras and all the stuff that he... It's like, we're going to do two seasons and then close it out with like an hour-long special. Mm -hmm. And it feels like that has really drifted over the pond to American TV now, that there's a lot shorter seasons and sort of wrapping stuff up. And when you guys and i mean you you know actors and writers and directors when you guys create those great shows like it impacts regular folk like me and we're like man we just know we love these characters and i want that story to continue on so Mm -hmm. it it is hello
3: comic-con yeah (laughs) right Yeah. goodness but what is different now is everything is streamed and you can binge Mm -hmm. but then everything takes so much longer to come back I know. Like I've been waiting for the Mandalorian right. to come back forever. I know, honey. Your estimated wait time is one
0: hundred twenty two
3: <laughs> minutes.
1: I wanna thank the legendary James I Burroughs that. I know.
3: It stinks. Isn't that terrible? Yeah. <laughs> I want
1: to thank the legendary James Burroughs for being my guest. It was a real treat for me. I hope you guys enjoyed it. And pick up his book directed by James Burroughs, written by James and my pal Eddie Freefeld. Honey, if they want to get a hold of us, where do they go?
3: The Adam Ferrar at Gmail.
1: Ah, uh, Thank you guys so much Check out my tour dates I hope you can make it live Sophia I will see you at Gotham Comedy Club I want to thank everybody That came out to Off the Hook I got a couple of coming up In Pennsylvania Check my uh, website for tour dates And if you get a chance To leave us a review That helps us with our friend
3: Mr. Algorithm And thank you Sue and Imelda
1: Yes. Special shout-out. Special shout-out to Sue and Imelda. And remember, brothers and sisters, we are all in this lifeboat together. So <laughs> let's, let's all do our part in row to help each other out.
3: Yeah, no yeah. slacking.
1: No slacking. Amen. And please remember that life is hard, so you take it easy on yourself. The part is ended. Go peace. <laughs> the wilderness to me is the grass divider on Park Avenue. Okay, that's, <laughs> that's, that's the mean. woods.
0: Oh, Adam you are a dazzling urbanite lost in a rural setting. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because you know if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now,